Hello guys, welcome to another episode of State of the Culture. I am Nefisat Uhneme Abdurrahman. On today's episode, we will be having a special guest. Someone you're going to be wild to have met on this show. He was Senior Management Fellow at State Gallery London. He was also the Director for Young Graduates of Museums and Gallery at British Museum London. He is currently consulting with this people. Presently, he is setting up the History, Culture and Heritage Institute in Abuja and Lagos, respectively. To top it all, guys, he just concluded his doctorate degree in gallery and museum curating. I am talking about no other but Dr. Olashin Matthew Gansalo. It's finally nice to meet you, sir. Hello. It's finally nice to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. <laughs> wow. You've achieved so much, and I can't wait to get into the discussion with you. Like, how can one person do all these things? How can one person be all these things? But before that, sir, tell us about how your journey, about how you got here, and what it was like. I mean, you were a senior, a senior fellow at Tate Gallery. And you're also the director of Young Graduates of Museum and Galleries, British Museum. And the National Natural History Museum in London. And the natural, London. yeah, National yeah. History Museum in London. So what does it entail? I mean, what does it feel like? What is it like being all these things in London? Um, very interesting, uh, very difficult. Hmm. And, and um, of course, like anybody else's journey through, um, you know, study and uh, getting, you know, a job and all that sort of thing that people do. Uh, however, I studied uh, fine art and the history of art, hmm. then went on to study architecture. Then uh, after that, I practiced as an artist for a while and also as an architectural designer, to call it then. And through that, um, did some uh, more courses and um, became Senior Management Fellow when they were trying to readdress the work diversity balance in Britain. This was a big thing in the 90s, you know, and trying to get a lot more people to represent mm. big, uh, or, you know, large cultural institutions like the Tate Gallery, British Museum, Natural History Museum, National Portrait Gallery, and all these large museums. Mm. I'd like to encourage people to actually um, go on the websites of these um, institutions. Um, people will say, well, I work there and I'm very proud of them, mm. very proud of the places, because as students, we used to go there, or I used to go there, and uh, highly inspirational. And um, sometimes when I am um, traveling Nigeria, parts of Africa, um, when you speak about these places, it's like, you know, people don't really have a concept of why it is that important to the, to, to the, society. To the society and why it's so important in Britain and what is the big deal. I've met quite a lot of people, you know, we, we don't understand or We've not yet got there. We've not got yes, there. Yeah, to, you know, <laughs> okay, to have so, massive institutions like this. So mm. click on their website and get a feel of what, 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 what it is and mm. what the place does. You know, these three places, you know, 
the Tate, the um, British, British Museum. Museum, Natural History Museum, Natural Portrait Gallery, and other sort of 11 museums that I, I walked across in those, in those okay. days. Your name, it sounds different. Yes. It is unique, I must confess. I mean, it doesn't sound like a typical Nigerian name. We have Olashin, yeah. we have Matthew, and then we have Gonzalo. That's right. And what that, tribe are you, sir? Uh, I'm the, curious. Good. Um, <laughs> my tribe is the Wazovia tribe. Have you heard of the Wazovia tribe? It's the new tribe. Like, uh, <laughs> like the Hausa Yoruba people. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm all, I'm all that. I'm, I'm, you know, one Nigeria, one, one Nigeria, one British, and one um, uh, Brazilian. So that name, <laughs> that name comes from uh, from Brazil. Quite hmm. interesting when you're speaking now about, um, you know, the name and. Uh, questions about Lagos and who owns Lagos and who doesn't own Lagos. Mm. Well, in those days, we, the Gonzalos, the Pereira, the Da Silvas, the Da Souzas, and all these sort of names mm. that you will get, we tend to say that we are the real Lagosians, mm. the real indigenous Lagosians, because we are the so-called returnees that came from uh, Portuguese or, or Portugal and those places, and we started Lagos. Mm. And that took me on my history wing when I went to sort of, it's my name that actually got me to look at the history of Nigeria and the history of Lagos in particular. Mm. So I went on a research on all that and that's quite interesting uh, what came out. And we, you know, our family believe that we're the indigenous Lagosians. Mm. And, there is a, <laughs> and there, is a, there is a place in Portugal called Lagos. Really? Yes. Google it. Find out. Everybody can do well, that. Well, so we have Lagos in Portugal. That's right. It's a place in Portugal called Lagos. This is it interesting. Was, yes, and that it was, is uh, interesting. And it was all that. And uh, so that was the name. So we claim Lagos. And um, that is that's where the name comes from. I was born in Britain, studied all my life in Britain. So mm. that's the British angle. And um, also, you know, um, when we were younger, when I was here younger, we used to go to the Brazilian quarters. In, in Lagos, Campos Square, and their names like Coco uh, Aguda and mm. all that sort of things. And there were the Brazilians under the Cyrilonians, you know, and they used to live here, and we used to live there. The Cyrilonians were the Johnsons, the Williams, and all the sort of more sort of English-like names where mm. we had the more Portu uh, sort of um, Portugal, South Americans type names. So it would be great to actually begin to get a Museum of Lagos Lagos is very unique in Nigeria, mm -hmm. and also to look at creating a museum of each state in Nigeria. the entire of Nigeria. A mm. small museum that will get people to have an understanding about, you know, the culture and the history of where they live. So let's talk about artifacts. Good. Before we go deep into where artifacts are, who it belongs to and where it should be. Good. What do you call artifacts in your language? In my particular language mm -hmm. or in my language in my, my <laughs> academic intellectual language? In your particular language. Aha. Uh -huh. So in my particular language, which I might say that, um, which is Yoruba, because that is the one that we had and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the greatest things about that, which, you know, is when you call it like objects or we call it a... Um, Ikotama Toju. Ikotama Toju. Ikotama Toju. That sounds like something we take care of. That's right. Oh. And that is where you, I think that is, you know, Ikotama Toju. Ikotama Toju. And that is, you know, what I can 
attribute to artifacts. Okay, so why um why do we call it that? Why do we call it in Toju? I mean, come to think of it, it's almost like we don't have these things anymore. So can we still call them that? Artifacts? Yes, you can. However, what, what happened is that, you know, artifacts are human. Hmm. Everybody has the memory of their family, their city, what happened before, what they lived behind. Mm -hmm. It is human to collect. It is human to create. It is human to try to represent what your culture and your environment is about. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to tell quite a lot of my students in those days that the first language was um, art, rock paintings that we give you an illustration on how to hunt mm. or how to do things mm. or, or how to set up a fire, things like that. So when you have artifacts or when you keep memory band artifacts like things like that, they give you an insight into human evolution. Hmm. What you were before, what happened before, and the evolution that was created for where we are now. So it's like a history map. Absolutely. Hmm. It is an history map. Okay, let's talk about barriers. I know we are talking yeah. about... Um, culture, we are talking about museums, but we can't talk about culture where there is no language <coughs> or tradition. So let's talk about language and cultural barriers. You've worked at Tate, yeah. you've worked in British um, Museum. Museum in London. Are there times where your culture or even your language has influenced your relationship with your fellow workers for a start at the museum and even some of your clients over there. Mm. Say, for instance, you're a black man yeah. from Nigeria yeah. and you're over there working in a white man's land. <laughs> and of course, you're going to have a lot of clients who are not Nigeria. So you have to relate with people almost all over the world coming to that museum. Yes. So tell us. Well, somewhere like the British Museum likes to call itself, and which it sort of represents, never mind the sort of criticism that it might get, it likes to call itself a world museum hmm. and a museum of world cultures. So it represents quite a lot of uh, cultures across the world, hmm. from Asia to Africa, Oceania, all through, and also the English Western culture. Hmm. And um, the in some parts, even the history of um, Christianity mm -hmm. and many things. And that's why it's a fantastic place. It's an amazing place to be. And uh, once you're going through in the British Museum, you can go to the Enlightenment galleries, you can go to the, uh, the Egyptian galleries, you can go to the Asian galleries, you go to, and it, all, it has all this history mm. about human evolution. So it's the museum of the world. Mm. And so there are many languages that, you know, that are represented in that organization, true, spoken, and visual, hmm. literal and visual. So, you know, it's, it's something sort of so encompassing and things like that. However, there's always, uh, which it turns into a very political argument of, 
you know, they were stolen, should they be taken back mm. and all that. That's a whole new show that we have, we can do. We can't, we can't go through <laughs> all that one now. But um, there's all that talk about that. And um, with the new digital revolution, I think that um, carefully looking at things, we can get around that. Mm. But I wrote an article the other time that was saying that if we get some of our artifacts back, is it going to be... Is, is, is it going to be um, accessible to the public? Mm. And do we have um, programs and you know, institutions we're building mm. to make it accessible to the public? Not just sitting in a palace, because mm. you know, maybe that's its way it belongs, good. But if we want to show our culture, what you're saying, and our language, and where we're coming from and everything, mm. I am a great big advocate of it being out there in the public. Not everybody can enter the other palace mm. to look at those things. True. So if it has now been something that it has been done so that it, everybody can have access to it, or it's something that we're doing so that people, the indigenous people and people of the country can come and have a look at it, we have to have somewhere mm. that we have to celebrate it and celebrate our history, culture, and language, languages. Mm. And I, do I have a culture? I have cultures. You have cultures. Yes, I don't have. <laughs> I'd like to know more about that because <laughs> so you're culture? having a lot of culture. I, I have culture, so I, you know, and I revel in, you know, cultures. You know, when where I am, I am who I am there, mm. and I'm comfortable with that. Mm. And we want to encourage people to do that. And I think the world is sort of going that direction. You know, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if we if we <laughs> if we want to recognize it. So, you know, okay. I, for me, I don't believe there's well. I've not lived one culture. I've lived <laughs> many know, cultures. Well, at least four. <laughs> wow. No. Hmm. Okay. Um, you've worked at the Tate Gallery. Yeah. You've also worked at British Museum, both in London. Um, are artifacts Nigerian artifacts artifacts that are indigenous to us are everywhere in the world except for where it truly belongs? Our Nigerian museums. Yeah. And um, people have argued that we keep losing our culture, especially the Benin bronze. Like, it's over there in the British Museum. Please correct me if I'm wrong, sir. Yes, some of it. Some, some, <laughs> so, some is in the museum in Berlin, you know, some is in the American Smithsonian Institution. So, and some, they are everywhere except for the Nigerian museums. Yeah. We don't have access to these things. We don't even, we can't even assess them. And a lot of people have said, we've heard um, the Britons saying, oh, some of them are lucky. They've seen this thing all their life and they have mm. value for it. They know it and what have you. And somebody said, most Nigerians will never have the opportunity to see these things Absolutely. because they are not in our country. They because. are not accessible to us. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Well, uh, this is, you know, since I've started my work with, or my studies with uh, art, architecture, and history of art, and all that sort mm -hmm. of thing, this has constantly been coming up in different articles, different um, theorists, different people writing about, you know, where they're stolen, should they come back? That's the Benin Bronzes, for instance. And mm -hmm. there are many other, many mm -hmm. other artifacts taken yeah. out from, um, from Africa and from Nigeria and um, so and many items taken from Egypt many items taken from different places from Asia mm -hmm. you know there are many many things that uh, the British went over and um, took the culture in order to study them now then 
what are my thoughts? My, you know, I have various thoughts on this. Well, mm. there are various sort of um, stages and thoughts about how this can work. Mm. First of all, you say the Nigerian museums. Can you name me one Nigerian museum that has held this things and is holding this things and is actually pushing out on the education interpretation of our artifacts and people actually actively engaged, engaging all that, going to the museum, looking at it, and being very active from schools to the general public. The thing is, you can't have a structure for something that is not available to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So is the argument. So people are saying, if you give us back what belongs to us, mm -hmm. we will create structures for them. We will create programs for them. But we can't create these programs and have students go over to these places mm -hmm. and they don't have access to these things. No, when you what say go over to them? where, go over to where? Go over to Britain, go over to London, no. go over to your museums, yeah? Mm -hmm. Good. And um, when you say that, now, part of, another part of some of my um, research and some of my thinking is that, you know, we tend to always imitate when it comes to looking at our own culture, from fashion to architecture to now, what we're calling museums, and even our art, the fine mm. art. You know, um, when I go to artist exhibition and things like that, I see what can be called, you know, abstract expressionism or impressionism that, you know, has gone on some hundred years ago or mm. cubism that's going in the Western world. The Western world. And we are now we sort of imitated because, you know, that is that is what we know thus far. Mm. And I tend to call that some form of neo-colonization. But mm. I won't go too much into that now. And uh, so you don't have to have a shining big building. Mm to ignite interest of your culture, artifacts, language, and things like that. You don't have to have a big mm. China building like the British Museum, like the Natural History Museum, and all that. No, you don't. It has to come to a concerted, sensible structure, as you said, mm. that looks at education, looks at presentation, and looks at where we can present all these things. Mm. Now, if you call somebody like me as a curator and say that we have this artifact and we want to take it around and want to get it around to the people, mm. you know, you have all these banking halls, you have all these shopping malls. You know, I'm not saying that you just, just throw it in there and nobody, you don't read about it, you don't know anything. But if you do not have building, that does not mean you do not have an audience. Mm. So there are people out there who actually are craving to see these things and yeah. know about them. Not even uh, there are people out there craving. They might not even have an idea. They might not have a clue. Our job mm. as cultural historians or people who work within culture or cultural mm. pro uh, producers, you know, from artists to architects to creators and all that sort of thing. Mm. Our job is to pre present this to the public, to people. Mm. So you get people who don't even know that many things exist, but you have to give them that resonance, that wonder, and that discovery. Hmm. That is why we do this job. That's why we're historians. You know, that's why people write books and do hmm. this about these things, so that somebody who hasn't got any idea whatsoever discovers it and say, "Wow, I didn't know that I was have uh, uh, have uh, Benin or have Ibo and Lagos. I didn't know that." You know. My family resonated from the north, and there was a history of evolution before I am now 
in this particular place in Nigeria. Mm. So we, we, do, we shouldn't wait for a building if we want to start the cultural revolution of understanding and discovery. Mm. Now, when we start doing that, without you telling anyone or anything, a building starts coming up. Mm. And people start saying that, you know, instead of us, or people could start saying that, it would have been accidental or stopping in all these shopping malls, banks. They are fantastic buildings all over the place that if we talk to, if you talk to people and you say that, look, we have this Benin Brothers, for instance, and everything, and somebody's mm. going to man it, and we're going to say that we're going to have what we call a touring exhibition going round all these places around the country or around the city. Mm. And when people are coming to do the shopping, when people come to do this, they see them and they learn something. And so we're not, you know, not everyone, we, we even know that it's not, you know, no, hardly anyone wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to go to a museum mm. to learn about the, uh, the Ife Empire or the Oyo Empire or things mm -hmm. like that. But when they come across it, it's amazingly interesting to them. And they want to know more. About so our job is to present it. But you don't have to wait for a nice big shiny building. Mm. And that's where people like us come in. How do you create something like that? How do you create that? How do you create all these places where people, what we call historical spots, mm. whereby people can come? Okay. So, and see. you've said that we don't have the structures for these things and we don't need to wait for them. So, we don't have a specific structure. structure. We don't have a as specific. the museum, mega museum, mm. you know, mega. For these things. So, what are the steps? You've said, okay, we can use the structures we have now to educate people, to enlighten people. What other steps can we make, can we take? All Aside right. from repatriating um, our artifacts that are scattered all over the world, what other steps can we take to solve the challenges? And what other challenges are our museums facing? Because it's not just the issue of having a big fine structure, like you say, there are other challenges. What are, they, are these challenges and what are the steps to take in solving them? Well, for me, the big challenge is getting people to buy into the idea that understanding culture, languages, history, heritage, and culture is important to the economy of the society. Hmm. It's important to the growth of the society. It's hmm. important to the direction of a society. I always say to quite a lot of people and some of my students or most of them that if you don't know where you're coming from, you really do not know where you are and you don't know where you're going. Mm. And far be it for me to go about and start criticizing the Nigerian system, the Nigerian this and whatever. Every, every society has its own challenge, you know, and culture and presentation. Some I've had this within, you know, I've been noting the history of their art and production for the last 800 years, mm. 1,000 years. You can go and see a work of art from 1066, mm. and some things from before Christ, from BC, which we have here, but it's never been noted. Mm. Nobody, well, a few people have tried to note it down, but it's not been noted. And when some of our works were found and all things like that, the some um, archaeologist, I know the name, I don't want to just go on, said, you know, it was not done by Africans, it can't be. It was done by some sort of 
Romans that were passing mm. by and all that nonsense. And I keep on saying, when you're talking about what can we do and what can't we do and whatever, let us go to the root of where all this cultural confusion has come from. Mm. Slavery wanted to erase everything or came up to erase everything that is mm. that, that you hold sacred so that you can serve the master. Mm. Colonization came in and did the same thing mm. and made it clear that, you know, <clears throat> whatever you're doing and how you're doing it, it is not good enough and it is inferior, it is backward, it doesn't make sense. We are the more superior mm. race. Residues of that we still have today. We can't say that that has all been erased. But we can't even just blame it all on colonization and slavery mm. because we know that other nations have been very good in assimilating both. You create, if you've ever suffered from you know, slavery, colonization, which is not just um, particular mm. to Africa, mm. how do we take all that experience to create a new culture? Assimilate, take from here, take from there, blend Put it together, together to get what is sort of a new tribe, new culture, or new types of living or new ways of living, mm. which is only inevitable for what we would call the human evolution. Mm. Remember, Germany and the Jews went through hell when the Jews were going through their, you know, where they've been prosecuted, you know, and many other nations like that that have gone through horrible um, prosecutions from man against man in humanity. Mm. So, but we don't tend to as talk as much about the effects of colon, uh, slavery and colonization and the time whereby we threw all our religion, our artifacts that people took them away because all of a sudden we thought they were all, you know, meaningless mm. and people who could hold those things sacred and understood why they were there the story is lost. Mm. We don't know what it is now. And, you know, when I speak about certain things, you know that there's a big resistance into even having some of the Benin bronzes back by the anti-Christian movement who think this thing's a fetish. Mm. So there are arguments coming from different areas. So you can say, oh, bring it back. We're going to put it out. Some people say, oh, no, this is Don't bring it back. <coughs> it's a great anti-this things because they say they are not... They are, they, are, they, are, they are not holy, they are, they are evil. Mm. I speak to people all the time in Nigeria and come down and say that, look, this um, Kemba and this thing that you saw in your village and this you know, walk of life, I can never have that in my house, it's evil. And you see some people have some paintings that have uh, some sort of iconography of these images and you know, somebody will get ill in the house and someone will come and say that you know, it's because of this evil painting, which is something that's just showing your history mm. and you know that sort of thing and there is all this that is all that dynamics that mm. is working against you know um some form of idea of we can easily go back to the past and take what has been taken and bring it back, back. and everybody is going to be very happy and we're there now so, <laughs> so you're saying <laughs> the fight is not, not only easy. against the people that took this yeah. thing, but even within ourselves that's right and it's mm. what i call when we look at uh, decolonization 
we look at what we call, what I call double decolonization. Hmm. So when you say that, oh, you know, let them decolonize themselves and everything, which is good and everything like that, you know, we should also decolonize ourselves hmm. and begin to embrace our own culture, languages and everything. I remember when I was a child in, uh, in one of the primary schools in, in Nigeria, you know, you couldn't speak Yoruba Igbo also. You'd be beaten up for it. You were speaking vernacular. You're speaking, you know, you were beaten. Your teacher would beat you up mm. and tell you, no, don't, don't, speak, don't speak that horrible language around here. Mm. And this language is the one that you've had and you've had for, you know, for what, hundreds of years, your generation, your person, easily and slowly over a space of 300 years being eroded. Mm. And people tell you that it is horrible to speak like that. It's a, and the only change that came in that people begin to speak about with concerted efforts by music, by good people who started speaking, people who started talking about it or whatever. It's only very recently, mm. you know, that you can speak about it. And when you look at our languages, especially in Nigeria, and the amount of philosophy, proverbs, and certain things, everything's so rich about it. And to think that we had 100 years or 50 years of saying that, no, go away, don't speak this don't thing. Speak this. It's horrible <laughs> and everything. You can't erase that, and you know, just like that. Yeah. Talking about languages, you know, some of our Nigerian languages have been, um, researchers have said, maybe going extinct soon. For instance, the Igbo language, according to UNESCO, maybe going extinct soon. Like, how did we get here? We are not only losing our artifacts, mm. we are not only losing our culture, what we wear, the food we eat, the way we behave. It's like we've lost everything and we are still losing it. How do we solve this problem of language going extinct, our culture, our artifacts? What are the solutions to this? It's very simple. Well, not very simple. I'm just saying that we should have a very simple, clear thinking. Hmm. The problems with this, as I said, are having your museums, galleries, language laboratories, places. Hmm. Even if it is not one building, it's going to get into a series of big buildings that show all these things, you know. But if it's not just one building, a concerted effort by private institutions, so-called government, everybody is expecting everything for the government, but you can never, you know, government can do everything. Yeah. Uh, and some sort of conservative that, look, we're making a drive, a cultural drive, a mm -hmm. cultural revolution, that we look at our art, artifacts, two different things, mm -hmm. <coughs> contemporary historical art, the artifacts that came out of that. Mm -hmm. We're looking at all that. We're looking at our languages. There were some of our languages that are actually gone extinct, not that they are going extinct. Hmm. You know, you can, st when you take Igbo, there are many other facets of Igbo and Yoruba and things hmm. like that, and Hausa, and some of them have just been, have, have gone, you know, extinct, you know. Hmm. So the only few people, only the, um, only the sort of elderly now that remember that time that we now, you know, can, can understand or can speak it. So, and why are they going extinct? Because we're not preserving them. Hmm. It's very simple, you know, that I say it's very simple. We're not preserving them. We take them for granted. And not only do we take them for granted, in my research, we disregard them. We think it's not important. Hmm. We don't think artists are important. When I tell people that they're artists in Britain and everything, who I've met with that, who are multimillionaires through painting, through doing art, hmm. 
You say, no, it can't be possible. Of course it's possible, because these people are part of the culture, part of the history, making a difference, and they are collectors. They are people who want to preserve their culture and their history. And, you know, I always say, you know, why do people wake up uh, in the morning and go to somewhere, big museums in America and Britain and everything? Mm. They are reconnecting with their culture. Mm. They go there to reconnect with their culture, to get some, this education. Education is a big thing when it comes to art and when it comes to museums and when it comes to um, trying to get to preserve our culture and our history. But that is not on the radar when you speak about art in Nigeria. Mm. They'll say, what does art got to do with education? And that is where people like us come in who are creating spaces and creating places whereby we can begin to readdress this in our own way, but we mm. cannot ignore the, the influence, good or bad, of colonization. Mm. We just have to make take on the positive while we understand the negative and what happened. And we said, that, look, we're going to take this bad, horrible situation, human, inhuman situation, and make it a positive for us and for the world. Mm. Hmm. Talking about education, guys, did I tell you Dr. Gansalo is the founder and director of Florence International School? Hmm. I told you he's a big catch. Anyways, <laughs> um, do you include language and cultural activities into your students' curriculum? Absolutely. Even today, they are doing career day and all that sort of a thing, and we have cultural day. Mm. And we have what I call a language laboratory. Mm. So they come in and they said, now we are in, we're doing Igbo, Hausa, and Yoruba, which is the three main major languages. major languages from, in Nigeria. But we're looking at uh, including Japanese and Mandarin. Mm. Okay. So do you think the Nigerian educational policy is creating ways for our cultures to be preserved. For example, history is no longer part of the curriculum. So, I, I know you've said it a lot of times here, education has a lot to do with preserving not just our languages, but our culture <clears throat> in its entirety. What do you think should be done? Is it just about the history course, or are there more things that the educational segment can do in Nigeria to preserve our languages? Of to course, teach there's, always, there's always a lot of room for improvement, and there's a very wide room for improve, improvement in Nigeria now to teach our children and all that, which led me um, in 20, was it 2017 or 2018, where um, when I set up the History, Culture and Heritage Institute, Institute. Nigeria, yeah, started in Lagos, we actually went into um, <clears throat> about 22 schools hmm. around Sulere Yaba then and we spoke to students about the Oyo Empire, the Benin Empire, the Ife Empire and the um, <clears throat> Oyo Ife Benin, the Hausa Empire, empire. Or what became the Hausa Empire and the Ezeirans hmm. of the evil land because uh, the evils are the priest, not necessarily a king or hmm. an empire. So we took those five out of schools and we spoke to it, which people who were interested, some of my um, co-workers, colleagues that I, you know, sort of took along with me. Mm. And we said, let us do this. And we went out to schools and um, we did our research on this sort of empires, what we could get and read about that and went to schools. Then 
they were just thinking of reintroducing history as in 2018, mm. of reintroducing history into schools. Um, I was in and out of Nigeria then, like I was working in Britain, came. But one of the reasons that led me, led me to set that up, because people didn't know anything about the history of these empires. Mm. You know, most didn't know. It wasn't taught in schools. And, you know, when I meet someone and ask them, oh, wow, where are you from? I'm from Oyo. Which part of Oyo is in there? Did you know this about Oyo and all that? What does it mean? It's just blank. <laughs> And even when we get to the, uh, what even shocked me, like when we won't get to what we call contemporary history, which mm. people don't know anything for the last 50, 30 years called contemporary history. And when we, people don't know them, so that, uh, can you remember Abiola and uh, can you remember <coughs> Abacha? And, mm. uh, can you remember Awolowa, all AAA? And you know, what was their time and what was their ages? Something that if you're a student, you should really drop from your mouth, you should be in your consciousness, even if you take about five minutes or five seconds to sort of work it out. Mm. But, you know, graduates, you don't know. Mm. And I always get this thing when you talk about all those things and say that I wasn't born then. So I want to say the consciousness of how people look at history and education and say, I wasn't born then. Mm. So the only thing you want to know is when you were born. You don't want to know anything, anything of what before you were born. Now, what sort of, <laughs> you know, what sort of mindset is that? Say, I wasn't born then. Don't ask me that sort of question. I wasn't born then. And also part of my research recently was mm. actually taking all those frames of our political history into the marketplace, mm. into market, real market, and putting them out in the market and asking people that name these people for us, look at this, look at what it is. This was a real project I did two years ago. Got frames of our great leaders from um, Lord Lugard, about Macaulay, from Elia Ransom Kuti, all through to uh, I think we stopped, um, where, where did we stop through all that? We covered the Civil War and we covered um, <clears throat> um, the Civil War. And I think we stopped with Obasanjo, yes. Was mm. it Obasanjo or before then? Anyway, we covered that history and we took it out. We took these portraits out to the marketplace and to shops and things. And I said, look, what do you think? And people did stop. I came back to my point. Some people didn't know, people who had, people did stop to look and to ask questions and to wonder what's going on. So mm. as to go back to my point, you don't need a big shining building in the, the uh, as built in a cold climate. Mm. That is, the architecture was there for, you know, the cold climate and for preservation. Mm. And, you know, what we tend to do, we just go and copy that and just bring it over. And we don't even know how to run it because we just copy it and bring it over, which is another problem that we have of colonization and neocolonization. Mm. So, you know, it's... it's <laughs> talking the, about this, this structure... They're all, they're, all, they're all into war. Yeah, like talking about this structure tonight, I remember we've had a discussion right here in the office, myself, the head of the Isesan TV, the one you met yeah. earlier. We were talking about the structures and how we built our houses before colonization mm. and after colonization. So now you are saying that we may even go get the structure, but we don't get the correct structure no, 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 because no. what is happening over there suits their weather. Their climate and the weather. What, what happens when we go get a similar structure and put it in Nigeria? We've had, we've had a problem. <laughs> For somebody who studied architecture, and there is the Museum of Nigerian Traditional Architecture in Jos, hmm. which is it's, it's going it's bad. It's, you know, nobody is preserving it. Hmm. But you can look at, you know, um, 
traditional architecture. We, when we use this word in our, in our country, in Nigeria, we say traditional, everybody thinks backward. Mm. Everybody thinks not modern, not up to. Mm. But tradition is tradition, you know, the way it was then. And they were incredibly sophisticated. Mm. They're not just mud huts. That is what they give us to eat today. They were just mud huts and they didn't do anything. No, no, no. There was no matter where they were placed, next to the river, the wind, how you can get into some areas, uh, so to use uh, mud bricks and everything like that, mm -hmm. which is warm at night and cool during the and day. During the day. Now, why haven't we taken this further mm. and created a symbiosis between that natural understanding and so-called technology mm. that we are all sort of uh, going out to grab and we have hardly invented any of it. Mm. So, you know, we don't do research. We don't think about this thing. We just take what we, we just, see. Uh, yeah, we just, we, 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 you know, consume it. We, we just consume, you know, this is it. That's it. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they do it in America. That's how they do it in Britain. Fine. That's now the we are all part of way. it, whatever. That's the modernized way. Because we have been taught and been told that, you know, from years ago to mm. the slavery and colonization that we are not modern. Mm. So the, this works that you're all talking about, that we, oh, we bring back our artifacts or whatever, there's a huge number of people that will call that fetish. Mm. They don't want to go near that because they think it was used in the shrine for evil. Mm. I remember I was meeting a very um, great collector and things like that, and he was showing us his work. And um, he says when he gets people to come and have a look at this great collection of Nigerian and African, you know, sculptures, artifacts, and things like that. We need to go there. We say, well, it's a shrine. Mm. That, why, why are you taking all these things for a shrine? Mm. You know, you're a Christian. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? So look at the dynamics that is happening. The person that you, he or, or she could not look at the culture and what has happened without thinking that it is all evil, all bad, and a new superior, so-called colonized, I am more superior than you, mm. has erased all that and told you that you're inferior. Mm. So now we're talking 2018 here, when somebody was saying that, why are you showing me all this? These are great collections that will give you an insight into Nigerian creativity and working, and the workings of great artists, great craftsmen, great you know, woodcarvers who created art out of these things, mm. you know, not just craft. And you see all these things and, you know, people who are meant to be the ones who are pushing this forward in all their big jobs and, you know, all their, you know, great jobs that is a real copy of, uh, you know, European society. Are the ones saying that, look, this is all nonsense, it's all evil. Mm. And why are you showing this thing? Somebody might ask you here, say, why, why do you want to go back to language? And it's, a, it's a barbaric language. It's a horrible <laughs> language. And that's that. You know, and I tell people, where, you know, there was a time I was in Japan and everything like that. And they don't want to speak English. Hmm. They speak, you know, when they come, well, sometimes when they come to lecture, uh, come to conferences in Britain, they ask for an interpreter. But they can speak English because they, they love their language. You can speak English and say, give me an interpreter, I'm going to speak in my language. Oh. And sometimes you do that, you know? So you've talked about, um, we still do have a misunderstanding of what some of these artifacts are, if not what all of them are. A lot of us don't even know what they don't are. Don't even Talk know. Of know their value you don't, know and what. you don't even know what they're saying, what they're saying, you don't have a clue. So... Everybody has a role to play. Yeah. 
in preserving our cultures and tradition. You've said that of you. It's not just the government. We yeah. we are always calling the government. Government yeah. do this. Government do that. But we are the government. That's right. Let's start from the individual level. What should we do to preserve our culture? Now then, when I've looked right across the spectrum, when we look at what uh, so-called Nigerian music was like hmm. thirty years ago, and the great waves it's doing now. Mm -hmm. That was a concerted effort to introduce that into the first in Nigeria and now the global mm. uh, sort of um, consciousness. Now, what can people as individuals do, do? When I keep on going back and saying education, 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 education is not about taking a pencil on a paper and being forced to write things down. Mm. Education is being in contact with knowledge. And through knowledge, you get some form of understanding. Mm. So if there is a contact, and now in our society and most all society, things could never move unless you get the people who really want to move this up here and those who have the financial power to back them mm. and to believe in them. Now, there are, we in this country, thank God, and, uh, you know, there was a time we were, said we were next to the Arabs, were incredibly wealthy. Hmm. I'm not saying there's no poverty. I'm not saying that there's no hunger and everything. But as a nation, we're a financial powerhouse. And everybody knows that across the world. Hmm. Nigeria, Nigeria, oil these days. Nigerians are, you know, different class of people. The, way, the education, the amount of uh, clout that come out financially with the businesses, businessmen, businesswomen, you know. And correct me if I'm wrong, the richest black man in the world is uh, Nigerian. Mm. Yeah? Or the richest African in Africa. the world is, is a Nigerian. The richest man in Africa. The richest man in Africa is a Nigerian. Yeah. So now, if somebody can trust a few of us and other people like yourselves and what you're doing, because there are all sort of great things happening in parts. Mm. You know, as I say, come, let, let, when you ask me to come and let's have a conversation, I say, of course, because we are. Or sort of trying to you know, make a thing. map about this culture. We're trying to map out our culture and how it exists here and the diaspora. Mm. And we'll get back to that. That our culture, that's why I say I'm, I have cultures. I don't mm. have one culture because, and a lot of people as well, because we exist in this culture, but we also exist in as Nigerians culture. in another culture. Now, then, so when we have good backing by people who really want to do something, not just want to get the money and buy another car, mm. because a lot of people don't trust putting money into a collective individuals because of some sort of things that have, you know, has happened in the past. Oh, we put 500 million into this project and we can't see anything. Can't Nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody went to marry another wife. Somebody built a house in the village. Somebody did this with the money that was collectively put in either by government or by certain individuals. Mm. And it's disintegrated and gone you know, uh, disappeared. There's some passionate individuals who are passionate about getting the revolution and the questions about our culture, languages, museums. Museums is not a building, remember? Idea of a museum and gallery and putting knowledge out there for people to engage with. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, if you have to sit in a building to get some sort of uh, talk like we're doing now. And we also have to sit in some sort of under the tree. 
Mm. We have to gather somewhere. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a Western constructed type building. Sure. Anyway, so if we get, it's too, for me, what I say is that the people who are really passionate about this, not, don't, give a, don't give too much damn about materialism. They got to a certain age, or they are okay. That's where they're not doing this because they want to make money. Mm. They want to do it because they want to see something happen. Mm. Yeah? And they can write books. They can create exhibitions. They're curators, you know, and all that sort of thing. And you can get poets, the musician, and we have something sensible and structural, intellectually structural. Intellectually, I'm not saying about materials, I'm not saying building, intellectually structural. Mm. Music, here, this, 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 put everything structured. And backed by good finance to push this thing forward, to push it forward. Then you begin to see some sort of change or some sort of understanding. And another thing to say is this not a, you know, one year affair. Yeah. <laughs> or a three years affair. You, do, you look at a 30-year plan. Mm. You look at a 50-year plan. And has to be sustained. Mm. Now that's uh, if you get in somebody to say, "Okay, I'm not interested in that anymore," then you disrupt the momentum. You disrupt the train of thought. You disrupt everything. Mm. Yeah, and you know we are we are also culturally confused. We're in a cultural conundrum. I'm just trying to make sense of it. I'm not saying that I know, or I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make, and I think I'm sure by you trying to get <laughs> languages, we're all trying to make sense of it. Yeah. So we're all keeping sort of start fucking, start investigating, start reconstructing. Yeah? You can't reconstruct something when you don't know how it has been disconstructed. Sure. You know, and you say that. You can put together what you, what you don't know what how you know. it was yeah, destroyed. Exactly. So you need people to go back and say, look, this is what it is, man. I said, let us see if we can now sort of put it together. Mm. So, two things to answer your question. Cut it all short. Good intellectuals get the real meaning of intellectuals right. Mm. Not oh, some, yeah, we always conjure these images about, you know, someone that has no life and is always written. You know, now the intellectuals, people want to do something. You know, I want to engage in education, showing and presenting, etc. Like musicians, everything like that. We want to engage in that. <clears throat> and it has to be backed with good finance, sustainability. Mm. And to start, you look 30 to 50 years. And you get people that will be coming back, who will be learning from them so that when they go or when they retire, they get the work going. And before you know it, <clears throat> you need to get a map of what your cultural consciousness is. Hmm. So two things, we need the intellectuals yeah. and we need the finance. Good. And they can work together. Hmm. There's no, you know, we, the, the, the dynamics, you know, is going to work together. We can work together so that we are the ones, you know, once I am backed with being, you know, I can eat three square meals a day. I'm okay if I want to eat. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm dead. My job is to create books or create you know, aspects of poetry and create <clears throat> a platform for us to begin to understand. And I am being backed and being said, that, look, you don't have to go and uh, get a job elsewhere, elsewhere in order to sustain yourself. 
or we are back in this. This is how this is how research goes on, you know, the mm. places, cancer research, all these things. You know, the people get there, they pay them, and they research them. That's what they do for thirty years. Mm. Well, we can get a breakthrough. That's exactly what we need all here. You know, so there are many things that we cannot take in one hour, but <laughs> we, we have to. Yeah, we have to keep on going. To be said. Too many, and that, and that is that 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 is the state of the cultural nation now. Mm. Okay. Fun fact, yeah, you sound like an advocate of African culture. Yeah. So, <laughs> has this influenced your personal lifestyle in any way? Like, tell us, is there any way that African culture and tradition has influenced you to some point? Okay. And when I'm, yeah, sometimes I'm, when I ask myself this question, when people ask me this question, I tell them, that, can you define African culture? Hmm. What is African culture? It's the way we live as Africans. Oh, what's that? <laughs> as Africans, we live there. Come look, look around the room. You know <clears throat> how we live in our Africans now here now. How do we live as Africans? Like right now? Yeah, yeah like right now. <laughs> like when we're gonna go out there and when we're gonna do our work and when we hmm. go there. How are we living how like Africans? What is African culture? Hmm. So, so we're still going back to the romantic <laughs> notion. Yes, we are. Like, yeah, which is, which is what we want to get away from. We are getting back there. Yeah, we want to take from that but, and put here mm -hmm. and create what is now an African culture. And a lot of people I've spoken to, <clears throat> and a lot of people, you know, when my research, when I go on and they say African culture, I say, what is African culture? <laughs> and Africa is not one country. Mm-hmm. It has 52 countries in it. And when you talk about African culture, there's the East African, mm -hmm. South African, mm -hmm. the West African, the North African, and the South African. Mm. I think I mentioned another. And they have, they have different cultures. True. All indigenous to where they live in. So what is African culture? So do we, do we bring you, let's bring you down to Nigeria. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So thank let's you very much. Let's bring you down to Nigeria. <laughs> so you talk about but, Nigeria. But you know, sometimes <clears throat> when we talk about culture, we just we don't want to limit it to just ourselves because it's almost like every african state is going through the same thing we're all having this <coughs> fight to repatriate our lost culture well, and you, artifacts yeah. you want to say something no no i said do you call that a culture <laughs> or do you call that a consciousness Consciousness? Yeah, that's African consciousness, not necessarily a cult. Okay, so you sound like a traditional Nigerian man, an advocate of Nigerian tradition and culture. Yeah. Has it influenced you in any way? Well, your personal lifestyle. <clears throat> uh, my person, my personal life. It's rather interesting and very complicated and i can't hmm. go through that I mean, unless you have five days to stay and we keep on talking <laughs> it's a long <laughs> story that, 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 <laughs> that is a very long story i'm sure most other people hmm. so as i said i have multiple cultures mm -hmm. and all of them have influenced me hmm. and anytime i live within those cultures hmm. i try to find out the history behind certain type of habits or certain type of, of you can say behavior, mm. certain type of food, mm. certain type of way people gather together to sing, to eat, to talk, to teach, and to learn. Now, to all that, we can get some kind of culture coming out. And um, so 
influence. I've, as I said earlier, that, you know, I find my mother, uh, Nigeria, my father has always been, spoke to us about Brazil, mm. Bahia, is where we are meant to sort of have come sometime in the, in the 19th century, 1865 or 1835, something like that, back to Nigeria, back to Lagos. Mm. And um, his great-grandfather, I think, taking the pilgrimage and things like that. So these things used to interest me about the cultures, uh, about Nigerian culture. Lagos hmm. and how Lagos became and how I got my name and how some other person gets a name, Onifade, Onidude, what does that mean? Onifade, Onidude, the drummers come and all that sort of thing. And we go there and we ask them, what does your name mean? Because if you really want to get into understanding what influence, I ask people their names. Hmm. I do, don't I? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I ask people their names and I say, from that name that you got, how did you, you know, what does it mean? And where does it come from? And mm. how does that work out? And, you know, through going back and, you know, hearing that, or I myself going to another state. When I go to another state, what I want to do is go and say, how do people live there? What do they eat? How is it done? And, you know, what do they used to do normally? There's no museum you can go to to get all those things per se, but you can ask people certain things. Mm. I always like to gravitate towards, you know, sort of the elder ones that was there. 50 years ago, what mm. was this place like? And some of some are good to tell you something. And some, of course, they would say, oh, this was it and that. Mm. So influence about Nigerian culture is that you find out that Nigeria is an incredibly fascinating place with many, many things that are so disjointed mm. and have been broken. And it's going to, it's a mindful to bring them all. We can do it, but that's what I was saying, of 30 to 50 years. Mm. So, but and when I'm in Britain, I'm in, immersed in that culture as well. What was the, what was, we, how did people get here? Mm. How did we get here? And um, that's why I said that when we, there is another so-called habit of living, styles of living, what you might call culture, in the Nigerian diaspora and the South African diaspora, the West African diaspora. Mm. And we hope one day they'll come, we all come together and we all talk and we all exchange positively. Mm. Because people have been in Britain for like 55 years, they, they went, or 35 years, went to, left Nigeria and got to Britain, got to America, and never come, never, never, never come, come back. Never come back. And I've never been back and don't intend to go back. Hmm. And their, their, their children are, you know, American, British, don't speak the language. Hmm. Some, unfortunately, don't speak the language. They are there. They, claim, they are British and they're there. So what do you call them? British people with Nigerian origins, and what's their culture? And they're still Africans, and they're British. So where's the, where's the African culture? So we, we can't speak of a African culture. culture. We can speak about the, you know, the, 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 the residues of African culture across the world. Or different, mm. different. It's all different. There's not one. We're going to say. It can't be. We can't do that anymore. Hmm. Like you said, sir, we can't talk about repatriating African culture or even Nigerian culture in just an hour. You can't do that <laughs> We just can't an hour. do no, that even in five days, no. even in one year. Like that, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to understand and we have a lot to work for. So we have a tradition instead of a culture. Before I let you go, you have to say something to our audience yeah. <clears throat> in your indigenous language. All right, that's not a problem. But again, wanted to say that we can't speak about something like this in an hour. 
what I would love to say and what I'm trying to collect at the moment mm. are a lot of conversations like this, which I'm hoping you have quite a bit, mm. put them together. And when we can have, you know, we, we, we watch a lot of programs on TV, we go to the cinema, we do all this. There is a sense of, okay, let us take some of our children to go and look at different people speaking about different things, mm. about culture, mm. about things like that. And then we begin to get that conversation going. Sure. Do you understand? Because what I find, that is why I almost gave you all a hard time when you said I should come here. When, <laughs> because what I find is that there are pockets of things everywhere. Mm. People saying interesting, good things, pockets everywhere. But there's no place that we can all sit down and say that, okay, you're coming in today. We're speaking about, people who have spoken about language. We're speaking mm. about, people have spoken about art. We're speaking about people also. And we come there and say that, all right, today, Saturday morning, we are going to listen to this. Mm. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a shiny big building. I say you could use the buildings that already exist. Yeah. And things like that. Mm. Because somebody might come across what I'm saying now in five years' time and say, oh, why did I know about this man? You know, sure. and that sort of thing. And we have to use it. Now that's the digital revolution, we don't have to don't let us lose that. Mm. Because it can do a lot of work to begin to get into all the things that you say. And, you know, reputation and going back and all the assimilation and everything like that. So don't let me take your time. I have to say something in my tongue yes. or in my various tongues. Just one. Just one. Fine. Because, because I have various tongues. What I is say. fine? Okay, one, sir. Um, and, um, and that is something to the audience. Yeah. Okay. Is she gone? Is she gone for, ah, uh, you see, putting it to that, put for the, is she gone, uh, uh, and my um, like, uh, Lati return CB. Bea, no job me. Bea, Bea, very soon shall. Not very long. As you go, as you go, and um, let us continue to enjoy our language and respect it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming, sir. Aaron, I really enjoyed my time with you and i'm sure you guys have learned a lot too it's not just government 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 we should all be involved our parents our teachers your friend you as a friend as a sister and what have you it's all our cross to bear whether we like it or not all right guys that's all we can take for this episode of state of the culture can't wait to see you guys next time. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, and follow us on all social media handles. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for coming, sir. Thank you very much. Bye, it's my guys. pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.